Hi, I'm Jonathan Edwards, and I want to welcome you to the Jed Breaks Bread podcast. My goal in this podcast is to teach the truth of the Word of God and apply it to our lives that our orthopraxy might be as good as our orthodoxy. May you be blessed. Hello, friends. Welcome back to the podcast. Today, as we continue to discuss some biblical truths that can help your marriage, we want to turn our attention to a very, very important topic, and that is the topic of financial spending, biblical stewardship, and money management. You know, when you do a survey, it can be an informal survey, of causes for separation in marriage, like divorce, or two couple, two people deciding to live separate lives. Within the top three reasons of separation are always infidelity, money or money lack of money management, and bad communication. Those always rank within the top three to five positions for reasons why couples get divorced. And the only conclusion that you could draw from this is that how you view money and how you practice money management is extraordinarily critical to the health and well-being and ultimate success of your marriage. Now, I would assume that most of the people listening to this podcast are Christians and that even if they have difficult financial problems, they are not going to get divorced because of that because that's a That is not one of the allowable causes for divorce in the New Testament. That being said, there are Christians who sometimes divorce because of bad financial management. There are many non-Christians who divorce because of bad financial management. And since it is one of the leading causes of separation, that ought to cause us to stop and pause and say, what is it about money? What is it about money management that leads to such large disagreements? Why is this a subject that causes so many fights and so much turmoil and so much heartache in relationships? Well, let me share with you some suggested reasons why our attitude towards money can cause conflicts within a marriage. The first has to do with your background and your history. You and your spouse probably had different upbringings. You probably have a different perspective on money management because you watched your parents manage money in a certain way. And some people are very loose with their money. Some people are very tight with their money. Some people are, they weight spending priorities differently and What you observe as a child impacts you growing up. And sometimes you do the opposite of what your parents did. Sometimes you take what your parents did and you do it even more, like you're even more stringent or strict than your parents were. And when you take those two different philosophies towards money and you blend those things together in a new relationship, that that can be a, a great source of friction. So what you observe from your parents affects how you spend, affects what you think about spending, and this really leads to the second source of, fl- of friction, which is 
that you and your spouse might have conflicting philosophies towards money. One of you might be a spender. One of you might be a saver. Both of you might be spenders, in which case there probably isn't enough money to spend between the two of you. Both of you might be savers, in which case you are sacrificing perhaps some comfort items or luxury items that you could enjoy in order to have the assurance of a certain dollar amount in your bank account. Now, in addition to conflicting philosophies, you might also have different priorities of how to spend the money. Let's say you're both spenders. One of you wants to spend money on decorations and the house, but the other one wants to spend the money on vacations or other luxury items or things that you can enjoy on a regular basis. There are different priorities that each individual in the marriage relationship has, and you have to be willing to compromise on those priorities. And thus far, we haven't even factored in the sin factor. Sins like greed or being a people pleaser, um, fitting in with your peer group, not having self-control, covetousness, perhaps not trusting God to provide, or in placing too much trust in the riches that you already have, those sins can contribute to conflicts regarding money as well. Finally, a suggestion that I think is far overlooked or far too overlooked is that of laziness. Now you might say, well, why is laziness a, a reason why we have conflict over money? Well, laziness is the reason why you have conflict over money because you don't put forth the effort to really understand your spending priorities, your spending habits, how much is going in, how much is going out. And because of your laziness and not understanding where your money is coming from and where it is going, you are continually frustrated about your money management and it seems overwhelming and you're not willing to take the time or to change your your habits to better manage your money. And so laziness can be a, a cause of strife because you, you don't know what you're doing with the money. I think, it's, I think it's very challenging to manage money in the society in which we live, primarily because we're way, way, way too blessed. We have so much money. We're so rich. Even the poorest person that we know, like if you were to think about the people you know, even the poorest person you know is probably wealthier than most of the world. Most of the world lives in a third world or an emerging second world country, and they just live hand to mouth. They, they, they live day by day. They don't have any plan for the future. They don't have any possibility to store up things for the future. Even if you're in America living hand to mouth, your standard of living is probably way higher than those in other parts of the world. And let's just say you're an average person. Well, you have disposable income. You have discretionary income. All of your needs are met and you're working on meeting all of your wants. And in a country that is as rich and as blessed and prosperous as ours, the number of wants is almost infinite. I mean, there are an astounding number of wants that you can have, things that you could spend your money on. And we do. If you go home and look around your house, you can say, wow, I I have a lot of stuff. I just have a lot of stuff and we spend our money on many different things. 
Some of them are perhaps more legitimate than others, but the bottom line is, no matter how you spend your money, there are opportunities for conflict to arise because of these reasons that I've just listed. And the conflict that you are most concerned about, especially in terms of reconciling that conflict, is conflict that you have with your spouse. There are few things in a marriage that are more frustrating than not being on the same page when it comes to money management. And so what I want to share today concerning money management is really a challenge. It's a challenge to take the biblical priorities that we have already studied in this class and apply them to financial matters. That would include the the concept of headship and submission. What you believe about headship and submission really affects how you spend money. Why? Why does it affect how you spend money? Well, who has the final say when it comes to making a financial decision? Is there a way that unsubmissiveness might manifest itself in how you spend money? How about areas of poor leadership manifesting themselves in how you spend money? See, this area of headship and submission has a direct application to your money management. And so when you consider how are we doing in terms of our headship and submission to one another, Sometimes your money management can be very revealing towards that particular balance or that particular aspect of your marriage. The way that we manage our money and spend our money also can reveal a lot about our communication in marriage. We can be afraid of communication because we have communication breakdowns, which can lead to improper spending or misplaced priorities or not considering the interests of your spouse when you go to make a big financial decision. And so when you consider how important communication is to a marriage, if you have challenges in that aspect of your marriage, those are going to transfer directly over to your money management. Now, maybe not always, maybe you're a poor communicator, but you have a very similar money philosophy and similar priorities. And so this hasn't been a problem for you. But I would say, generally speaking, if you have problems in communication and you also have different money management philosophies, that those problems in communication are going to transfer right over and be a challenge when it comes to managing money and getting on the same page with how to spend the resources that God has given you. Now, I recognize that I've continued to talk about resources God has given you. What do I mean by that? That's a phrase that I think is very important to understand. I've been using this phrase as an application, but I haven't really defined where it comes from or how I derive that from the Bible. So let me go ahead and do that for you right now. When I talk about managing resources, that is an application of a biblical principle known as stewardship. All right, stewardship is a responsibility to be a good manager. Stewardship is a concept that has been put into practice by God and that is really practiced by God all the time in how he manages the creation. And it is also a a communicable attribute that God expects 
human beings to do. So God is a steward of creation, and God has also bestowed upon human beings a responsibility to steward smaller aspects of creation. We know this to be true because in Genesis 1.1, God says, or the Bible says, God created the heavens and the earth. Okay, so if you create something, you're the owner of it. You can do with it what you want. Then if you skip down to Genesis chapter 1, verse 26, God says, let us make man in our image according to our likeness and let them rule over the fish of the sea and over the birds of the sky and over the cattle and over all the earth and over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. Here is where God has bestowed the responsibility of stewardship upon mankind. God owns it because God created it. But here on day six, God has created man and said, man, all men have a responsibility to rule over the world. You know, the animals, the earth, the ocean. We have a responsibility to rule over the world and we have a responsibility to do so in a way that is pleasing to God and in accordance with his word. So when we talk about stewardship, what we are really describing uh, is the management philosophy and the management responsibility that every individual has to care for the resources which God has given to you. Your resources include people. So it's your, it's your husband or your wife. It includes your children. And it may include other extended family members who you've been given responsibility towards. Resources would include not just the paycheck that you receive, but the wealth that you accumulate throughout your life. So if you own your home or if you own a car or even if you own like a lawnmower or an ATV or a snowblower or, you know, you can keep going on down the line. You have a responsibility to manage those resources in a way that brings glory and honor to God. And we have a particular responsibility as believers to view all that we have as being on loan from God. All that we have been given is really on loan from God. We didn't bring anything into the world and we did not, we are not going to take anything out of the world. Therefore, we have a responsibility to view all that we've been entrusted with as coming from God and returning to God. When we understand this fact, that should help us know that we need to view our material possessions with an eternal perspective, not merely a temporal perspective. Sure, we want the things that we own to last. We want to use them uh, as tools while we're here on the earth for various reasons, but we need to use them in such a way that we can bring glory to God and have some type of eternal benefit not just a temporal pleasure. And that, that, my friends, requires a shift in our mindset. And for, money, for many of us, it, it requires a major shift in our mindset. You see, because of the consumeristic nature of America, we look at material possessions in a very self-centered manner. What am I going to get for this? What am I going to get from this? And we tend to make purchasing decisions based upon how much pleasure 
or status an item is going to bring to us. But if we were to shift our mindset and say, you know what, before I purchase this item, how can I use this item to serve the kingdom of God? How can I use this item to bring glory and honor to Christ? We might decide to make a different purchasing decision. You know, I have a friend who um, has always dreamed of buying a boat so that he can use it as a discipleship opportunity. And recently, the Lord allowed him to buy a boat. And you know what? One of the first things he did is he invited me and my son to, to be able to go out on the boat when the season opens up this next year. You know, there's a man who his dream has been to buy a boat, but not for selfish gain. He wants to buy a boat so that he can bless other people and spend time with other people. Now, I, I've known this man for a long time, and I don't believe that there is any insincerity in that. He's not trying to manipulate his feelings or massage the story so that he can justify buying a boat. No, he legitimately, genuinely wanted to use the wealth that God had given him for a greater purpose, to encourage other people to spend time with other people. And you know what? A boat is a big thing. That's a that's a big example. Okay? But what about, you know, buying a new phone? Or buying a buying an iWatch or an Apple Watch? What about buying a new wardrobe or new pots and pans? I mean, there are a lot of things that we need to buy in life. And and we need to have them. You know, they're 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 basic necessities. But have you considered how that will benefit for eternity? I'm sure that we could all consider various buying decisions that we've made and say, you know what? I really bought that for myself. I didn't really buy that with eternity in mind. And we'll have some of that. And I think we have freedom to have that. Okay, I'm not trying to bind your conscience and say that you can't buy anything without having some type of eternal value. But what I am trying to do is I am trying to put into your mind the idea that maybe we ought to shift our mindset to think, what eternal benefit does this product have? How can I use it to advance Christ's kingdom? I just want to put that thought in your mind so that when you are making a buying decision, you would at least consider that. Maybe if you consider that, you would make a different buying decision. I've had the good fortune of knowing many wonderful, godly Christian men who have had this attitude in how they make purchasing decisions, like major purchasing decisions. And this has been very helpful to me as I observe the lives of these men and I see their godly character and I see the thought processes that they go through when they go to make a purchasing decision. Stewardship, therefore, is a responsibility of every believer to manage what God has given to you, not just for a temporal benefit, but for an eternal benefit. Now, thus far, we've been talking about stewardship in relationship to material possessions. But there is also a stewardship that relates to spiritual gifts and your 
ability to practice those gifts in the local church. 1 Peter chapter 4, verse 10 says this, As each one has received a special gift, and this is referring specifically to the gifts that have been given to each individual believer by the Holy Spirit. As each one has received a special gift, employ it in serving one another as good stewards of the manifold grace of God. So stewardship goes beyond just the mere management of physical resources. It also refers to the management of your spiritual resources. What gifts has God given to you to practice in the local church? That's a very important question. Maybe you know and you are practicing those things. Maybe you know what gifts you have and you're not practicing those things. Or maybe you don't even know what your spiritual gift is and therefore you don't know how to practice it. When you stop and consider these verses, it's obvious that the Holy Spirit has given everybody a gift and we need to be responsible in employing it to serve one another in the local assembly, which is the local church. So we see from Genesis chapter 1 and from 1 Peter chapter 4 that stewardship involves the management of physical resources and spiritual resources. Now you might be saying, well, how important is stewardship really? Like, okay, this is in the Bible, but how important is it really? Well, if you turn over to 1 Timothy chapter 3, you'll see that good stewardship, is one of the prerequisites for serving as a elder slash pastor in a local church. I say elder slash pastor because I believe that the position of elder or pastor are simultaneous. They're, they're synonyms for one another, but not everybody understands that. That's why I have elder slash pastor. One of the qualifications to be a pastor is to be a good manager of your household. Look at 1 Timothy chapter 3, verse 4. He must be one who manages his own household well, keeping his children under control with all dignity. But if a man does not know how to manage his own household, how will he take care of the church of God? There, there is a principle attached to stewardship. If you are not a good steward of your own personal household, then how could you be a steward of the household of God? So stewardship has a moral component to it, that there is good stewardship and there is bad stewardship. There is stewardship that is pleasing and honoring to God, and there is stewardship that brings shame and reproach to God and to the name of Jesus Christ. We could all probably think of examples of churches who have been led by pastors who are bad stewards and have caused financial problems to come upon the church, probably some that have even been financially ruined by the decisions of bad stewards who were pastors. So from these verses that we've looked at, I think it's easy to say that God considers stewardship to be a very, very important aspect of life. I would say that stewardship is a virtue that you can grow in and that you ought to grow in. I would say it is one of the communicable attributes of God. When we talk about a communicable attribute, it's it's something that God is and we also can be, but we're not we're not perfect in it and we have to grow in it. 
So God is loving. We can also be loving, but we're not perfect. We need to grow in our love towards one another. Stewardship is the same way. God is a perfect steward over the entire creation. And God has entrusted us with stewardship also. And we, we may be poor stewards. We may be ignorant stewards. We may be purposefully bad stewards because we ignore the truth that we know and we make bad decisions anyways. Or we could be good stewards. The goal, I think, when it comes to stewardship and money management and your marriage is to sit down with your spouse and talk about the responsibility of stewardship that you've been given. You see, understanding biblical stewardship is one of the first ways that you can lay a similar foundation for money management. And if you don't understand these biblical truths about stewardship and God's expectation and requirement for stewardship, you're going to be working off of separate or different foundations, and that is only going to lead to continual frustration between you and your spouse. So I would encourage you, take some time, review the second half of this podcast, and look at these biblical examples of stewardship and talk to your spouse about how can we get on the same page? How can we start building a foundation together of money management based upon the responsibility that God has given to us in his word. All right, well, I hope that you've been challenged by this. I hope that you'll take these truths and go home and and really think about them, talk about them with your spouse and work hard to put them into practice because if you're having conflicts over money, this is the place to start. Now, maybe you've already got this ironed out, in which case next week's episode will will help you think through even more specifically how to use your financial resources. But if you don't know about how to be a good steward, this is where you start. And I would encourage you maybe to look up some of the resources from Crown Financial Ministries, or if you like Dave Ramsey, go to his website. Uh, Those men have done a lot of work in this realm, and you can find a lot of good resources there. Until next time. May you continue to put Christ first and bring glory to him in all that you do. God bless.